Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just come humbly before your presence, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll flow through me like a river today, Lord, to teach. And the Lord, you open our hearts and minds to the word of God. Your word, Lord. Not the word of a man, Lord, what you're saying. Not what I'm saying, Lord, what you want to say to your people through your holy word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you're active, that you have your way. Open our hearts and minds with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, am I forgetting anything? Sometimes I do. All right, I gave, who did not get a handout? Did everybody get a handout? Because last week, when I left last week, we, we taught Romans chapter 12, or tried to get into it, and I left, and I just felt the Lord tell me that, and not that I went too fast, but there's too much there, and that um, some of it went by some of you, and I really need to review this and go back over it a little slower. And we really need to get this. This is really, really important. So I'm going to try to teach my way through this. So I'm not uh, going to shout too much and all that. I just want to teach through the word of God. And I'm asking you to listen when you hear the word. When we're studying the Bible, and this is in your prayer time too, when you get before the word of God, we need to understand it's God speaking to us. And we do well to know that it's not the opinion of a person. It's not like it's optional, like, well, I may do that or I may not. It's God's word to us. And there's always a blessing in hearing, believing, receiving, and then doing what the word of God says. And if you've done that, and there are people here that have done that, they take the word of God as if it is the word of God, they receive it in and act on it, and we receive the blessing of it. And not only that, every person, every human being is accountable before God. Someone say amen. The Bible says that every single person, the believer is going to stand before the Bema seat of Christ. The unbeliever is going to be before the great white throne. God's going to separate out sheep and goats. The believer is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and God's going to reward us for what we've done in our body. And it's going to be a good day for the believer. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by the blood of Jesus. That's something God did for us. And in Romans 12, Paul says, in light of that, and, I, and I, you know, I taught on this last week, I'm not going to try, I really want to get the information, to me it's more important to get the information across today than it is the style of my preaching. I'm not going to worry about that. I want to get this across to us. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you, brothers, or I beseech you, therefore, brethren, in the view of God's mercy that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable. King James says, it's your reasonable service. A lot of translations say it's your spiritual act of worship. And I talked last week about in context, 
Paul has talked at great length about God's mercy all throughout the book of Romans. And so in context, Paul is saying, in the light of God's mercy and in the light of God's grace on you, this is your act of worship back to God. This is just your reasonable service. It isn't anything extraordinary that God would ask you to do something. It's just reasonable, or it is your spiritual act of worship. If we want to have a close relationship, and I truly believe if you are born again, and if you love God, this is what you want to do anyway. Unless your heart's strayed from the Lord. If you're not saved, you need to be saved because the, the Word of God says, and I know it's true, if you're not saved and the Spirit of God isn't in you, everything about God repulses you, bores you. You're indifferent to your eternal destination. I talked to a guy this week, I believe, could have been last week, down at uh, the gym, and I said, hey, dude, where are you going to go when you die? That's how, that's how we talk, right? Where are you going to go? And he goes, I don't know. I go, you ever thought about it? Nah, I'm not worried about it. I don't think about it much. I go, do you think you're going to, when you die, you're just going to disappear? You know, I don't know. I really don't know. And he just kept playing it off. And I told him, I said, do you know what I'm asking you is the most important question that anyone is ever going to ask you? If you felt dead right now, and there are people that died this week, and there are people that are going to die, there are people that will die tragically, and if you pass out of this life today, you're going to stand before God. You say, well, that's just what you believe. No, I know it. You think it's just what I believe. I had someone uh, say that to me recently, they, and, and I told this young man, I said, he said, I asked him, do you believe there's a God? Well, I don't know. I said, I'm telling you there is a God. And I said, I know there's a God. I had an encounter with God that was so powerful in my life that marked me. I'm not guessing. I don't have some nebulous belief that there may be a God. I live, in fact, I need to live better because I'm going to meet this God and I know it. And how much more uh, responsible am I telling you that I know it? How much more responsible because I'm not doubting one bit that I'm going to stand before God. Amen? Amen? Call it faith. God touched me and he gave me that faith. We talked about that last week. And I am accountable to God. I'm going to talk about mercy today. And, and, and I so much, I, I don't want people feeling guilty. Or, it's not a message of condemnation. It's a good news message from God, but in the light of God's mercy to me. I know what God did for me. My mouth doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. You can trust me. Sometimes Brad would love to say things. My mouth don't belong to me. I can't. When Paul says, give your body to the Lord, that's what he's talking about. Give your mouth to the Lord. That means pro and con, positive and negative. I don't say certain things, and there are some things down there <clears throat> at the gym. 
Holy Ghost, let me talk to that young man. Well, I hope I made an impression on him. I've invited him to church several times. I hope I made an impression. At least he knows that someone's told him. And folks, the good news is, listen, this is good. The good news is, this is why Paul was urging you and beseeching you that God is a loving and merciful God. Anybody ever heard of Leonard Ravenhill? Anybody ever heard of him? He was a revivalist, and he'd go everywhere, and hundreds or thousands of people. He's very famous for revival, and he went to a church. I think he was preaching like Thursday through Sunday or something, and he preached on Thursday night, and he preached a message about God's goodness and love and grace, and he gave an altar call, and nobody came. And uh, so the next night, this was either him or he was telling this story. The next night, he got up and preached, and he preached on hell and damnation, and people were in their seats trembling, and he didn't give an altar call. And he said, if you won't respond to God's love and mercy, I'm not going to give you a chance to respond to the threat of hell. And he left them there. And a bunch of them got saved. Paul's saying, not threatening you with hell, he's telling you that God loves you to the point that he paid it all for you. Jesus lived the life that you can't live. He suffered a penalty that you can't pay. He died on a cross, crying out to the Father, you know the church is going to be in union or married to Jesus forever. We're his bride. Did you know that? We were created for Jesus. How many of you knew that? You were made for Jesus. You're his, the church is his eternal bride. He was crying out from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And God did forgive us. And and Paul is making this case in the book of Romans, <clears throat> and he's <clears throat> telling the Roman Christians all these things about God. He said, now you have been saved. He's talking to Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians. He's talking to the church, and, and, and he's saying, in light of everything God has done for you, it's just your reasonable service to serve him. Then he goes in and tells you how, and, and I want to get to this how I'm, I'm eager because we can actually know whether we're loving God it's not hard to know whether you're really loving God it's not and if you read down and I'll, I'll go into it more in depth but honestly and I, I, I preached on it last week our vertical when we love God when you really love God when the when his grace is in the mercy of God and you're loving God and you're really loving God, it will automatically turn into love of your brothers and sisters. Automatically. And he lays down all these gifts that are in the church and how the church is here to serve one another. We talked in Sunday school. We didn't talk much about the word. But there were words in our Sunday school like submit. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's pretty easy when the next verse, husbands love your wife, 
When he's loving you, it's the easiest thing in the world to do. I tell a lot, when I was a young man, Pam used to make my coffee for me. 20 years of marriage, she got up, made me coffee, ironed my clothes, and took care of me, and I went off to work, and I learned more about God as I grew in my love for God, more about loving my wife. The Bible says in 1 Peter, if, if you don't treat your wife right, it'll hinder your prayers. Did you know that? There are things that stop your prayers. <clears throat> your prayers are spiritual. We live in a spiritual world. You guys mind if I get a drink? <clears throat> Honey, can you, is my other drink over there? This one's empty. <clears throat> There are, when Daniel prayed, it took him 21 days for, you know, his prayer. There was warfare. Didn't say that God didn't hear your prayer or answer your prayer. It said there was something that hindered his prayer. God heard it the first day. And he said, husbands, when you don't love your wives, your prayers get hindered. Who wants their prayers hindered? <clears throat> Nobody. So, Oh, talking about making coffee. Well, now, here, years later, the Lord's teaching me about what loving your wife. And now, Brother Brad makes the coffee for Pam. And I love making it for her. I owe her, I probably still owe you about 15 years of making coffee, babe. <clears throat> the only difference is she may be Maxwell House. I buy her the good stuff. <laughs> I mean, I get her this mocha java from Camino Island Coffee. She gets the good stuff. She served me Maxwell House. No, but, but it, it, you actually, the Bible says when you love your wife, you love yourself. Get this. Get this. When you love your wife, that's how you love Jesus. You're hard on your wife, you are hard on Jesus. Because she is Jesus. Right there in the flesh. I am not going to get to my message, Jesus. I've got to get to this message. There's a whole, it says, the verse above it, I'm harder on men than I am women. But the word, folks, honestly, it says, wives, submit to your husband. That word is antima. How, how you curse? In our generation, the word submit, it makes people's hair stand up on the back of their head, even Christians. Jeff, you mentioned that love and respect, you know, and that's a good class. That's a very good teaching. But it's really love and submission is, is actually, and submission, you know what submission means? It means to submit. We're, the, in the very context of Ephesians 5, church, submit to Jesus. Wives, submit to your husband. It's the same word. You can change it and make it something different. It's your pride that cannot submit to anybody else. You can't admit when you do wrong. It's pride. You can't submit to anybody. It's your pride. I'm not submitting to no man. <laughs> and someone tell me that. That's why they wouldn't get married. They've been hurt. I understand that people get hurt. A lot of men are bad, hard to submit to. 
And I'm going to say again, if the husbands do the first part, someone said amen. Amen. I'm going to say again, a lot of men make it hard because they don't do that first part. But the woman's part is not predicated on the man's part. Men, your part is not predicated on the woman's part. That wife is the Lord to you right there. How much you love her, how you talk to her is how you're talking to Jesus. You better know it. That's why you have all the frustrations in your life you have. If we don't do it, you guys aren't like that, I know. I'm preaching for the TV audience, YouTube and Facebook. We all love our wives. And the word is submit, and it tells children to obey that very thing. It says children obey. That's a horrible word, obey. That means you have to do what somebody else tells you to do. But I'll tell you parents, oh Lord, I'm off my mess. If parents, if we don't teach our children to obey when they go to school or when they go to work, they're going to be in rebellion. They're going to have trouble their whole life. Because they're never going to know how when the boss says to them, hey, pick up your tools, clean that thing and do that, they're going to be like, I was the boss once. I know, I had people like, I'd tell them what to do and it'd be like, and there were people so rebellious, they hated it that you had authority in their life to tell them what to do. They would do everything in their power to subvert you. Everything. Anybody ever, anybody ever supervisor? Anybody else experienced that ever? Had anybody ever tried to subvert you in every way? Folks, it's re the human nature can be very rebellious. So words like obey and surrender and submit are totally against the grain of the Adamic or the human nature in us. How many of you, when you got saved, that all changed and you wanted to obey the Lord? That became the passion of your heart. Maybe the week before, you didn't want to do anything the Lord said. That's my testimony. The next week, I'm like the most radical, fanatical guy because I had an encounter with the Lord. He saved me. I, I taught last week. I did not save I didn't pick up my cross. I didn't, I found out Jesus picked up my cross. I didn't give up sin. I didn't repent for a thousand things. I just went down to that altar and surrendered my life to the Lord. I admitted that I was a sinner, that I needed his grace and mercy. And lo and behold, he did all the heavy lifting. He saved me. And the case I made last week that salvation all comes from the mercy of God in our life. Even for you to know in your heart that you're broken, sometimes we have to go miles and miles down that road before we finally say, man, I'm broke. Some of us, it's just life has to just get so bad before we admit I'm broke. It can be so hard sometimes to say, hey, I was wrong. Please forgive me. If you can't use that type of language, you've got to have a change of your heart. That should be as natural to you to flow out of your mouth. I was wrong. Please forgive me. That should be as natural to you 
as water flowing from a brook. It just should be natural. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Jesus came as the grace of God. The word says he, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. There was a guy, and this is in your notes, in Matthew 19. You can turn there if you want. I, folks, I laid all this out in Scripture because I knew that I wouldn't have time to go over every verse. I already knew that. And I talked about this last week. There was a guy that came to Jesus and he asked this question. He said, what must I do? And I put that do in big, big letters. What do I got to do? He said, good master, what good thing must I do that I might have eternal life? He goes, now why are you calling me good? There's no one good but one, that is God. He's really asking, if you look at this, he's, he's asking the guy, are you coming to me as an authority, or are you just asking a good master? You're just coming to, like if you come to me and say, good teacher, what do you think about this? Well, I'll give you my opinion, right? Good teacher. But if I'm God, or if I tell you something, obviously I'm not, but when you come to God... Jesus being God, when you come to Jesus, he's not good teacher, he's the Lord, and when he tells you something, it's coming from God. Someone say amen. That's why Jesus asked him that question, why are you calling me good? There's only one person good, but God, Jesus was God. Or do you just want a good teacher, someone's opinion? He said, he took him back to the law, he says, uh, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he says, which ones? At, we're, Christian church, Christian religious people, it's like, you know, it's going to keep asking, keep asking. Which ones? You go, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your mom and dad, love, love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, hey, I've done all those. What do I still lack? interesting, in his mind, he had done all the commandments, even though the word says no one's done all the commandments. He said he had, but he still knew that he lacked something, didn't he? He says, what do I lack? What's going on? I know I'm not saved. What am I lacking? And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And the man heard that, and he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And then Jesus said, you know, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel going through the eye of a needle. And his disciples says, well, then who can be saved? And get this, Jesus said, with men, this is, say it, it's impossible. Impossible. He wanted to know what he had to do to be saved. You owe God everything. You owe God everything. You breathe because God gave you breath. You have a job because you're healthy and you're able to do it. Everything we have belongs to God. 
And so, but it's interesting. And then I put some other scriptures there. When, when they asked Jesus the greatest commandments, of course, Jesus is quoting directly from the law, isn't he? Deuteronomy 6 says, love God with all your heart, all your strength, and all your might. Isn't that our duty? How many of you have done that your whole life? I mean, before you got saved, how many of you did it at all? Before you gave your, how many of you loved God before you got saved? With all your heart, all your strength, and all your soul. Then he said, the other commandments like it, and that's in Leviticus, love your neighbor just like you love yourself. Now, how many of you, before you gave your life to the Lord, loved your neighbor just like you love yourself? You wouldn't be fighting over property lines. In fact, if you had a property line problem, you'd say, oh, no, I believe that's yours. You wouldn't be saying, that's mine. Oh, I believe that is yours. You'd have a toad. If you loved your neighbor like you loved yourself, you'd be fighting for your neighbor. Well, no one does it. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, I want you to stay with me here, guys. I know it's a little theological here. I'm making a point. It says that Jesus was born under the law. Read it. The whole book of Galatians is about, is about not being under law, but it says Jesus was born under the law. What did Jesus teach under? The law. What else? He's a Jew. In Romans 15, it says he was a minister to the Jews, the circumcision, which is the Jews. He was the servant, and it's on your paper, the scripture, Romans 15. He's a servant to the Jews, a minister to the Jews, to confirm the promises made to the fathers. For three points, and the car, who are the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, yeah. He was a minister to the Jews to confirm the promises that were made to the Jews. And then in Matthew 10 and in other places, when Gentiles would come, Jesus told his followers, he said, don't go to the Gentiles. I'm not sent to them. He did. He said, I am only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So when it comes to Jesus, he's talking about the kingdom, he's talking about these things. He told them, He's going to fulfill the law, and that's what he was doing, and he was teaching actually the very essence of the law. That's why the greatest commandment, on, it's in the law, Charlie, Deuteronomy 6. Now, the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. Don't ever think that I'm the law is holy, just, and good. The law is perfect. It confers the soul. Nothing wrong with the law, folks, and Jesus is telling them all the law and the prophets, love God, love your neighbor. Those are all those scriptures. The problem is, is because man is sinful by nature, he doesn't love God, and no amount of law, Jeff, is ever going to change your heart. No amount of Christian, if you come in here and you think I'm giving you 10 rules to live by, but you never have an impact, God never touches your heart, you never allow God's grace into your life, you never go to the the throne room of law? Huh? The throne room of what? Grace. And obtain what? Mercy. If you never go to the throne room of grace to obtain mercy, you just 10 rules to live by, 
you'll do more if Jesus is called the pearl of great price. He's called the treasure in the field. You may, if you don't know it, that's to your, I feel sorry for you. You don't know why you're alive. You may not know if you're a girl or a boy. You get lied to about so many things and so confused, you don't even know who you are. You don't even know your identity. You are made in the image of God for God, and Jesus is the pearl of great price. He is the one. Uh, David said, oh, you give me more joy than when they have their corn and their wine. You give me more joy than that, and he does. Has anybody ever felt the joy of the Lord? There's nothing like it. Anybody, you know, Charlie talking about the peace of God. Someone puts a gun to his head. No fear whatsoever because he's not afraid of dying. Are you afraid of dying? You may die tomorrow. Some of you are afraid of living. I mean that. Jesus is the treasure that was hidden in the field that a man found out, hey, there's... I wish Talon were here. There's 100,000 Bitcoin buried in the field. I'm going to go sell everything I have, and I'm going to buy that field of Bitcoin. He knew it was a treasure. He went out there, and he sold everything he had, and he bought that field. Jesus said, you can't give up mom and dad, brothers and sisters, lands, and I will not repay you. Get this. In Mark, it says, in this life. In this life, I will repay you because you can't outgive God. Some of us, and I, I tell you, don't even give, and I mean it. If you're giving to God like, oh, I, I got a, a, a one, you're afraid to give, you don't know God because you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. The Bible says it's impossible. Of Him, through Him, and to If He's leading you in your giving, You can't outgive him. You can't outlove him. Right before Paul says, right before Paul says, in view of God's mercy, he said, of him, through him, and to him are all things. Your life is a vapor. Any 70 year olds here? 80, is it a vapor, Charlie? It's a vapor. I like to joke. I probably joke too much about it. I had a full head of hair yesterday. I was a good-looking young, strapling young man. What's happened to me, Jesus? Flip over to Romans chapter 10. Paul was teaching you, oh, God wants to give you, God wants to give you everything that the law demands from you and everything that the law promises you. He says God wants to give it to you. He only wants one thing from you, just one thing, your heart. Your heart. David murdered a man. Murdered him because he wanted to sleep with his wife. Don't that sound bad? Doesn't that sound bad? 
That'd make you mad if someone killed you to be with your wife. Well, that'd make you mad, wouldn't it? That sounds bad. It's a bad deal. He murdered a man, and he slept with his wife. And he, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. He messed up big, and he paid for it. He had, that, was a, that was a price to pay for that. He paid for it big time. But he was a man after God's heart. He loved God. He actually loved the law of God because God was in his heart. God wants your heart. If he has your heart, he has everything. Guys, you know when you were courting your wife, there's only one thing you wanted. Because you knew if you had that, you had everything else. What did you want? Was it enough for her? Remember that, and I've talked about this before. Remember the Stepford wives? Did you guys want a Stepford wife? Don't say yes. Don't, Jeff? I see you smirking over there. <laughs> when you met that girl, and I know you, Jeff, I know when you met that girl, you wanted her heart. Because once you have their heart, and what a shame on men when they abuse that privilege. What a shame. And girls, what a shame when you give it to an unworthy guy. What a shame. I used to always tell my daughter, I said, honey, you're such a treasure. Don't give yourself to some guy. You're, such a, you're a princess to God. You are a princess. If he don't love you enough to covenant with you, what are you? You're treasure. You don't know who you are. You just sleep with this guy and that because you don't know your value. You'd never do that if you knew how valuable you were to God. And guys, it's just totally unworthy to steal a girl's heart and not make a covenant with her. If she's not yours, then let her heart go. I know we're all old folks in here, right? We, we all... Go. <clears throat> When you met that girl, you wanted her heart. Because if you had her heart, everything else goes with it. My wife, I love her with my whole heart. She has only done me good. When I want her heart, I also want her baking. <laughs> she used to go to work in the morning, bring home, and she would give me the paycheck. She did. I work too. Don't look at me like that. I work too. Yeah, she is special. She'd give me her paycheck, and then she'd do my laundry. I remember I, I was at work one day. I worked second shift, and, and I was working, and I'd come in, and these girls were talking, and they said, your wife makes you a lunch? I go, yeah, she makes my lunch every day. I can't believe that. I wouldn't make my husband lunch. That's why I didn't marry you, you know? <laughs> And I said, yes, she irons my clothes. Irons your clothes? I go, yes, she irons my uniform. Have you ever noticed it's all pressed? I said, sometimes she'll even shine my shoes for me. I, don't, I didn't ask her to. I didn't ask her to. She'd just get them out and shine them sometimes. It's been a long time since she did that, by the way. Just look at my shoes. You'd know that. <laughs> and they, uh, no, <laughs> no, it's not. But she's, so, she's too busy. She cleans the church. And they said, one of, the, one of the women looked at me and says, I need a wife. She did. She goes, I need a wife. 
I'm not saying that was right for me to let her do all that, guys. She did it. And you know what? When I won her heart, whatever Pam was, I got all of her. When I won her heart, it wasn't hard. She loved me. You know, I, I know in many ways, I know she loves me. One way, she has a sparkle in her eye when she looks at me. If I ever see her sparkle at somebody else, it's on. It's on. I've never seen that sparkle when she looked at somebody else. But she has a little sparkle in her eye. I hope, you, hope your wife still has a sparkle when she looks at you. So what God wants, you may make mistakes, you may be imperfect, you may have this habit, do that or do this. Jesus knows you're a mess. He's not asking you to clean yourself up. He knows you're a mess. He knows you've got problems, you've got sin, you've got stuff. We call it stuff. You've got stuff and you've got all kind of stuff. Jesus wants your heart. He wants your life. That's okay. That's good. Don't let the baby's fine. He wants your heart because if he has your heart, he has everything. And that's why, let's flip over to Romans 10. Let's, let's read this. I'm going to give a little, I, I'm really not doing a good job of getting through my notes. It's all there. We're going somewhere in this thing. We're going to get further into Romans because I want to get into how we're showing God love, how we're showing it to him. And I'm going to tap on it again today and maybe we'll preach it. I'm not even going to ask what time it is. I'm afraid of the clock. Paul said, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, are going about to establish their own righteousness, and they have not, someone say that word for me, submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is what? Someone say it out loud. The end. Finite, done, toast, no more, it's over, it is finished. When he hung on that cross, when he finally took the vinegar, the last thing that the law and the prophets said, he fulfilled the law, he said it's done, it's accomplished, it is finite, it's done. No more. There's a new and living way through the veil, and it's not law. Is the law wrong? Nope. Someone say it for your own sake. Christ is the end of for righteousness. To the one that what? Believeth. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does. What must I do to be saved? To the man that does. What must I do? To the man that does, he will live by them, or righteousness will come through them. But the righteousness which is of faith talks like this. Say not in your heart, who will go to heaven? That's to bring the answer down. Who's the answer? Jesus. Or to descend into the deep. That's to bring Christ up from the dead. What does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For if the heart man believes unto God, what does God want? It's not just saying a prayer, folks. You're confessing something with your mouth that you're believing in your heart. You're giving Jesus your heart. 
You're not saying, well, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm just going to tiptoe over here and say a prayer so I don't go to hell. You're saying, Lord, Jesus, you're Lord. That means, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I'm giving you my life. I'm not much to look at, Lord, but whatever, I belong to you. And it's going to be a journey, folks. Once, how many after you did that, you were perfect? But how many after that, you wanted to live for the Lord after you got saved? Amen. I became insane for the Lord. For the, I, just, I was such a bad guy. I couldn't believe I was right with God. Sunday, I was wrong with God. Monday, I was right with God. It was amazing. It was amazing. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be ashamed. There's no difference between Jews and Greeks. We're all the same. God is what? Rich unto everyone that calls. For whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he goes on. So Paul lays this down. He goes into Romans 11. I went over this last week. Go ahead and flip there. I'm trying to lay this down. I I, I must be getting close to the end. my, My time must be close to being up. I can feel it. In Romans 11, I really just wanted to teach this today, and I I got off. He says, and as I talked about last week, Romans 11:32, he says, "For God has concluded them all." When he says all, who does he mean? Everybody, Jews and Gentiles, everybody. God has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have what? Mercy on everybody. No one keeps the law. No, Romans 3, no, not one. Nobody does. God wants to have mercy on us all. He does. So he concludes everybody is lost. Everybody's in disobedience. Everybody's a sinner. I'll send my own right arm. I'll get the job done myself. And if you will trust in my son and you will give him your heart, that's why when I preached about the two trees in the garden, one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which represents the law, the conscience beating you to death, and the other is the tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life. We can eat from the law, knowledge of good and evil, or we can feed on Jesus. When you feed on the law, you try and you fail. When you feed on Jesus, you, you, you love, you give him your heart. He does for you what you cannot do in yourself. You keep your eyes, Pam, you got that message coming about fixing your eyes on Jesus. You focus on Jesus. You look at Jesus. He becomes your life. Your life. The spirit that's in you is, this is how far Jesus went, Jackie. This is how far he went. The spirit that's in you is Jesus' spirit. You ever think about that? The spirit that is in you is Jesus' spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells where? If we believe, I, I say it all the time, it's like poof. If we believe that that much, it's just like poof. It's mind-blowing. The same spirit and that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That's why Charlie, he must have some revelation of it because he wasn't afraid of dying. I'm going to go be with God. I always say, God, I don't want to leave Pam yet. Don't take me yet, Lord. Other than that, you can take me out of here. Okay. 
I almost hate to ask what time it is. Okay, now, so, so okay, now we're ready to push on in Romans 12. And please, guys, I, I made notes so you, I, I wanted to write like a long paper, a five-page, like, paper on this and write it up, and maybe I will, and I'll post it on my blog. I ran yesterday, and it was so hot, I just kind of wiped myself out, wore myself out. I never got through it, but I got these notes so you can go through them. I'm giving you texture and other script, like Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, because of God's great love and His mercy, He gave us grace. Because of His mercy, He gave us grace. It's 12. Isn't it? What time is it? 11.57. Okay. In Luke 18, we'll talk about this and we'll get Romans 12, then I'll be ready to take off into my next message. In Luke 18, you had the two people that came and one of them came kind of under the law. He said, Lord, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. I tithed, I did this and I did this. And the other guy came and said, Lord, be merciful to me, what? The sinner. Which one was justified? The sinner. Now, guys, I know as the body of Christ, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. I know that. Before we come to God, the only thing we could ever do is say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. However, even as a believer, we go to the throne of grace. We still depend on the Lord. It's not like we're independent and we don't need to go to God and say, God, in Hebrews 5, 7, I don't think I put this in my notes, it says, Jesus himself cried out to God with strong tears and he cried out to God and it said God heard him because he feared. So if Jesus had to cry out to God and be heard with strong tears and cryings, I think we might need to do that too. You just don't say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, and then have a heart like the devil or a mind like the devil. You go before that throne room. You stay tender. You stay full of the Lord. You stay full of the grace of God. Someone say amen. amen. All right. I'm going to try to get this where I can land it. So Paul says, in view of God's mercy, then he goes on in Romans 12. Here we are. And he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man, woman, among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, but to think soberly according to as God has dealt to every man spirit the measure of faith. Okay. We're going to end this, and I got all that, that other parts, the back part of my message. I'll get to that next, next time I preach, okay? So he's saying, you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. God had mercy on you. In view of that, surrender your life to Jesus. Give, give it to, he deserves it. Be willing, and God will, and then he says, he goes on, he says, transform your mind. We, we can talk about that. Renew your mind. And I really believe what he's not just talking about reading the word, that is a part of it. We as Christians learn to take on the mind of Christ. And the very first attribute of the mind of Christ is humility. It's humility. It's humility. It's humility. Philippians 2, read it. It's humility. Paul 
and he starts talking about the body life. I'm ending. He starts talking about the body life, and he says, guys, you need to be humble because you're a body. You're not the great man of God. You don't have it all, and you never will. You're in a body. And this is why you need to be humble, because I have called you to serve that body that you're in. Read it. You folks here, I'm in the, with that. You are literally the body of Christ, literally. And so Paul says, be humble, walk in God's grace, use your gifts. He parallels it in 1 Peter. I'll get into there. He parallels it in 1 Peter chapter 4. <clears throat> he says, serve the body that you're in. And I'm going to say, in the measure that you do that is the measure that you're serving Jesus. I got preached this last week. As much as you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you have done it to me. Your disposition and your attitude and your love for your brothers. All the scriptures are there. I'll, I'll read them. They're all in there. That's how much you're loving me. You don't have to try. Bo, I don't have to try to love you if I'm loving God. It is going to be the, I don't have to try to love my wife if I'm loving God. It is a natural outflow. Pam, how did I live when I was backslidden? How was my love towards you when I was backslidden? Be honest. Say that again. Was I affectionate? She said I was distant, wasn't affectionate. When I backslid from the Lord, it affected my marriage instantly. Pam, we're going to have a little talk here. We've got to work this out. Pam, when I gave my life back to the Lord at VGF all those years ago, how long did it take me to change my attitude towards you? Well, say that louder. It was instant. Did you hear her? Say it louder. It was instant. Say it louder. <laughs> it was instant. I got my life back, my heart back to the Lord. I changed toward Pam instantly. Didn't have to try to, I did. So if you're struggling on that level, the problem's here. It's right here. It's right here. You got trouble with your wife? Here's your problem. Got trouble with your husband? Here's your problem. I don't care what they did to you. My wife loved me when I was at my very worst. She stayed true as an arrow. She, I was bad. She stayed true as an arrow toward me, just straight as an arrow. Okay, what's the point of all this? God wants our heart, folks. You may got sins that are bothering you. You may have sins that are, um, you may have sins weighing you down. I'm telling you, he's looking more at your heart. Your wife had bad habits. You didn't even know about them until you were married about a year and a half. Those things that irritate you about your wife, she did that when you were dating her. You just didn't notice it. You had love goggles on. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> right? You didn't even notice it. You've been married a while. Now you notice it. 
You didn't, women, you didn't know how bad your husband smelled till you married him about six months in. Because you loved him and you were focused and you had his heart. And some of you knew he had some problems, but you figured, I can fix him as I go. Right, wrong. Amen. Here's my message, folks. Guys, let's give our hearts to God without reservation. Um, Lord, I don't know how to do this. It's in view of God's mercy. In view of what His mercy, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Everything you've done wrong, it's forgiven. You don't have to answer for it. You're loved. Your eternal life is secured. And he did a a whole bunch more for you. And when you read the word, he's your shepherd. He's your guide. He's your peace. He becomes your peace. He's the joy in your life. When you give him your heart and in, in view of his mercy, he becomes all those things to you. If you have not or are not surrendering your heart to the Lord, Let's, let's do it. Every eye closed, everybody. It'd be wrong not to do this. If you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, you've never surrendered.